On today's docket, we discuss the court system in the United States. There are actually two distinct court systems, the state courts and the federal courts. Most criminal cases and civil lawsuits are handled in the state courts. Cases that involve parties from different states and of substantial value might go to federal court instead, as well as any cases involving the United States government. We divided this topic into three episodes. Part one will give an overview and look at the state court systems in general. Part two will look at specifically one state court system. And part three will look at the federal judiciary. So stay tuned and listen to all three parts. The Four Legal English Podcast is now in session. Welcome to the Four Legal English Podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world who want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. In this podcast, we discuss different legal topics, such as law in the news, law in practice, legal writing, legal movies, and other issues. This podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, consult an attorney. You can check out our blog articles, available courses, and the show notes for this episode on our website. That's fours in the number four, Legal English, no spaces or dashes.com. Fourlegalenglish.com. I'm Timothy Barrett, your host. I'm a former practicing attorney from the United States, more recently a law professor in Tbilisi, Georgia, and currently an author and podcast host, among other things. The Court System in the United States Overview There are two distinct court systems in the United States. We have the federal courts, often called the United States courts, as well as the state courts. There's a court system in each of the 50 states, which means there are at least 50 state court systems. If we think of the hierarchy of these two court systems, in both they are composed of generally three different levels. The court of first instance, the court of second instance, and court of third instance. So the state trial courts would be the court of first instance, although it may be a little bit more complicated, and we'll we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but that would be considered the court of first instance. If a party loses and wants to appeal, then they can appeal to the court of second instance. Each state will call it something different, but it'll be known as some kind of intermediate appellate court. If they don't like the result from that court, they can appeal to the state Supreme Court. That would be the court of third instance and the highest court in that state. And it's also the highest court of state law. If there's some argument about how to interpret state law or a state constitution, the state Supreme Court is the court of last resort. If they don't like the result, that's it. There's nowhere else to go. In parallel to this, it's very similar in the federal system. You have the trial court is called the U.S. District Court. Decisions there can be appealed to the Circuit Court of Appeals. 
and then it can be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, or the Supreme Court of the United States, often abbreviated SCOTUS. However, the Supreme Court of the United States is in actuality above the state Supreme Courts. In many matters, especially if it's a federal issue, if it's interpreting the U.S. Constitution or U.S. law, then cases after the state Supreme Court can be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. So how did these dual systems come about? Well, it goes back to dual sovereignty. When they formed the Constitution and the United States itself, the idea that there was two sovereigns, the states and the federal government, each were sovereign in its own right. If you're familiar with European Union law, it's something similar to that. Although, of course, the the basis behind it and, and the jurisprudence behind it may be very different. The idea itself is very similar. Now, let's go back in history a little bit. Before the American Revolution, each of the colonies had written constitutions. Some were charters from the king, that is, the king specifically in writing gave permission for a colony to be formed, but others were written by the colonists themselves. But each of the colonies had their own constitution. For much of the colonial era, it was a time of what they called benign neglect, where the colonies were left to rule themselves. In England, Parliament was busy and the king were busy doing their own things, so they just let the colonies kind of develop on their own without too much interference. And so it actually didn't hurt the colonies and, in fact, probably helped the colonies prosper. So that neglect was benign. It didn't hurt them. It actually helped them. So after the American Revolution, and each colony became an independent state, it already had a court system in place. And they had jurisprudence in place. You know, they had a history of common law, both from England, but also developing in each of the colonies. Now, it's important to remember that the number of cases in state courts far exceeds that of federal courts. Most court cases are in state court. In fact, we have a, a saying, don't make a federal case out of it. Meaning, you know, this isn't a big deal. Don't make it a big deal because it really has to be a big deal to go into federal court. Don't make a federal case out of it. Don't make this a big deal. And there are a lot of areas of law that are almost exclusively the jurisdiction of state court, such as family law, a lot of criminal law, a lot of contracts, and a lot of torts. You know, most of these matters are going to be handled through the state court system. And each state is unique with its own history and beginning. Most states have three levels of court, which is similar to the federal system. But most states also have two levels of trial courts. And sometimes, in some states, the trial courts are kind of divided by jurisdiction, by subject matter. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And each state has its own nomenclature, what it calls certain things, what it names certain fields of law. And again, some of those states, or at least 13 of them, predate the U.S. system. Trial courts. So let's start by looking at the trial courts, especially in criminal cases. Usually, criminal cases are divided into maybe three different major categories. The least serious would be infractions or violations. Depending on the state, they might call it something different, but usually it's just a fine. A little bit more serious is a misdemeanor. 
This is a, a criminal offense that's punishable by up to one year of incarceration, of it being in jail. That doesn't mean that they have to be punished that, that severely, but that's just the maximum possible punishment. And the most serious criminal cases are felonies. A felony is where the possible punishment exceeds or is more than one year of incarceration. So it could be much more than that, but that's where we divide the line. If it's less than a year, it's a misdemeanor. If it's more than a year, it's a felony. And of course, that doesn't mean that they have to get that full year or serve more than a year or anything like that. It's just the possible punishment. If the judge gave the most severe punishment possible, it would be for a misdemeanor, not more than one year. It'd be less than one year. For the felonies, usually the statute is going to specify what would be the maximum penalty. You know, is the maximum penalty five years, 10 years, 15 years, or maybe it's life, maybe it's the death penalty. When looking at the different categories of criminal cases, we want to consider possible penalties, the fine or imprisonment. There could be other penalties, but those are the two most severe. And some states have trial courts of limited jurisdiction. Sometimes we might call these specialty courts, such as a juvenile court, a court that just handles matters of juveniles, of children, people under 18. It could be children in need of supervision, often abbreviated CHINs, children in need of supervision, or abuse and neglect cases, or sometimes juvenile delinquency, when children commit what would be crimes if they were adults. But they're not adults, so it's not really a crime, it's delinquent behavior. Other limited courts would be family court, which would deal with divorces and child custody. Probate court, when someone dies, what happens to their estate, to their property. Traffic infractions, when people go too fast or other traffic violations. Or small claims court, sometimes when people have a dispute, but it's below a certain dollar value, instead of going to regular court, where the rules of evidence apply and that sort of thing, they can choose to go to a smallest claims court and kind of hear it and have that case decided kind of in an expedited manner by the judge. Often there's a trial court that handles minor cases such as the misdemeanors or civil cases worth less than a certain dollar value. And then you have another trial court that'll handle general jurisdiction. So these would be felony crimes, civil claims above a certain value. And this court may also serve as an appellate court for the lower court. So for example, if somebody is accused of a misdemeanor and they have a motion or maybe they have a trial, if they don't like the result, they could appeal to that upper trial court, the felony court. Courts of second instance. Moving on to the courts of second instance, sometimes called the intermediate appellate courts. Usually these will have a panel that will hear a case. Usually the panel is three judges. It may be different in different states. Some states will divide up the state geographically. So appeals from certain courts will go to one specific appellate court or other, other states will have just one statewide appellate court. But usually the decisions of any of the appellate courts are binding on a statewide basis, unlike the federal system. In the federal system, when that intermediate appellate court, 
the circuit court makes a decision, it's only binding on district courts, trial courts within that circuit. It may be persuasive in other parts of the country, but it's not binding, unlike the state court systems. Courts of third instance. So the court of third instance is the court of last resort. This is the highest court, as I said, for state law issues. Usually we call this the state supreme court. But not always. Be careful of New York Supreme Court. If you ever watch the show Law and Order or multitude of other shows that take place in New York City, the trial court is called the New York Supreme Court, which is kind of surprising when you know, when you first see it or first hear it, but that's how they do it in New York. Court of third instance will usually have several judges, and they will hear cases on banc, similar to the Supreme Court of the United States. However, some states will split it up that they will have two different courts of third instance, one that hears appeals for civil cases and a separate one that will hear appeals from criminal cases. I know Texas does it this way. But most of the states, it's just one unified Supreme Court. What questions do you have about today's episode? You can post those questions or any comments on the show notes. This is a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. You can go to the website for, as in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com. For legalenglish.com. You can check out our blog articles and show notes for this episode and check out the episode quizzes. It would be fantastic if you could subscribe and give us a review. If you could leave us five stars and a nice comment, it would really help the algorithm and other people to find our podcast. If you leave a great review, I might even read it on the air. So start writing. The For Legal English podcast is adjourned. Don't miss the next docket call. <laughs>